the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We have got a really cute show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be interviewing Bracha Schwartz, who happens to be responsible for two-thirds of my grandchildren, as a matter of fact. We're going to be talking about, believe it or not, Shalom Bayez Kugel and the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah and the holiday season that's coming upon us. In the second half of the hour, we'll be talking about Nitzavim Vayela, which is the portion of the week which can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and following. We've got some really cool music throughout. We have a story that I heard, the last time I heard this story was probably about 40 years ago, and I was reminded of it, so we'll be telling that to you. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> A Palestinian rammed a truck into a group of soldiers in Israel, killing one and wounding five before being shot and killed. At least one person was stabbed Wednesday evening when a 14-year-old Arab terrorist attacked Israelis at the Shivte Yisrael light rail train station in Jerusalem, outside the old city and near a neighborhood with a majority Arab population. A policeman shot and killed the attacker. A bomb exploded at Joseph's tomb in Shechem, injuring 39 people who had come there to worship. Libyan Foreign Minister Najla Mangouche was fired and fled to Turkey following a meeting last week with Israel's Foreign Minister Eli Cohen. Libya and Israel do not have diplomatic relations. Hundreds of shellfish were dumped at a Jewish fraternity at the University of California, Berkeley. Local police are investigating. 
The Jewish Resource Center, University of Michigan Ann Arbor, was defaced with anti-Semitic graffiti. In other news, Papua New Guinea is the next country to open its embassy in Jerusalem. Yay, PNG. Israel's gas company reported a 23% profit increase in the first half of 2023. Most of the $155 million came from gas exports. Israel's becoming a major European exporter of gas. Iran's, this is, this is concerning, but not to be unexpected. Iran's weightlifting federation banned one of its athletes for life after he shook hands and posed for a photo with an Israeli athlete at an international competition in Poland. Speaking of sports, Israel won its first ever gold medal at the Rhythmic Gymnastics World Championships in Valencia, Spain. Last year, Israel won a silver medal. And finally, I suppose you end off in good news. This is, I suppose it's good news if you know about to do this, but the ice cream house is voluntarily recalling more than 90 varieties of dairy and parv ice cream treats. The move comes after the FDA ordered a recall of soft serve to go cups made by real ice cream cup. Let's try that slowly by real ice cream of Brooklyn, New York, because of concerns of listeria contamination. Both products are available in Michigan. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Mrs. Bracha Schwartz. Hello, Mrs. Schwartz. Marcha Schwartz happens to be my daughter. And as I said at the onset, the mother of two-thirds of my of our grandchildren. And we're going to be talking about the title of the show, Shalom Bias Kugel. We're going to be focusing on the upcoming holidays and, how I suppose, how to make as many people happy as you possibly can. How are you today, Bracha? Anita, I'm super-de-duper. I'm sitting in the back garden. I have a few minutes to pick some tomatoes here before the day moves on to the next fun thing. No kids uh, in school today. So we have some fun things planned. But um, what a crack up talking about Shalom Bias Google. <laughs> okay, let me, tell you, um, let me tell you a story. Okay, I'm going to tell you two stories, actually. Okay, okay. so I, a couple came to the Kajnitzer Mag- Magad. You're talking like middle to late 1870s. And they said they want to get, di- they, they said they want to get divorced. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. So the guy says, I love my wife's Kugel. My wife makes the best kugel. Even now, as I'm just talking about this kugel, my mouth is watering. But what does my wife do? So I come home. I make kiddish. 
And then after Kiddush, I eat the fish. And then comes the soup. And then comes the meat and the potatoes. And after that, she brings out the kugel. By that time, I haven't got any room. It says, don't you think that's grounds for divorce? So he turns to the Koshnitzer Magad, turns to the woman and says, in my house, we were raised that the kugel is served last. And this is our tradition. So the Koshnitzer Magad stroked his beard and he thought for a second. And he said, you should make two kugels. One you should serve right after Kiddush, and the other one you should serve at the after the after the end of the meal. And that became the, what's known as the Shalom Bayis Kugel in the Kuznets land. And indeed, after that, the Kuznets Magid started having two Kugels at his Friday night meal. So, but looking it up online, a Shalom Bayis Kugel is, is there's, the word Shalom Bayis means making harmony. We have, this person wants this, and this person wants that. And so we try to do something to accommodate to everybody. So in this case, Shalom Bayis Kugel means that the bottom layer is a layer of kishka, which kishka used to be a stuffed cow intestine, but you can't get cow intestine in this country anymore because they don't, won't let you have it. So it's a stuffed casing with flour and fat and whatnot. The middle section is, this is like, that's the bottom of the kogel. The middle section of the kogel is what's referred to as your shalmi kogel, which is like this caramelized noodle pudding. And then the top layer is potato kogel, which I don't know how to describe potato kogel other than it's grated and it's mixed with oil and onions and et cetera and, and baked. And so this way you get in one bite, you get all three, and so everybody's happy. This is, I suppose, shalom bias kogel. But you have, you have your own story with shalom bias kogel. So, and very funny that, <laughs> very funny, first of all, that um, this is the topic. And also that this all came from a little spot around. I was walking through the local kosher grocery store here and looking for a cheesecake in the refrigerator section and leaning in close what looked like a cheesecake uh, turned out to say a shalom bias kugel. And I was looking at the ingredients and it's like paprika. I don't know. I thought maybe it's one of these three flavor pies. You know, one area is a pumpkin pie, one area is an apple pie, whatever. And um, no, no, no. It turns out that you're right. It's like these are so like a layer cake. So it's not for me. <laughs> I thought maybe I was a slice into it and go into it. Again. It's not and ruin my day, not my style. So I got me thinking, what. What would it be like to put something on the table and say, this is our Shalom Bias dish. This is our Shalom Bias moment that we have on the table. And I realize we actually do that already at my house. We have Shalom Bias certain dinner menu items that I know everybody's going to eat. The kids are going to eat. People from down the street that come over with their families or out-of-towners or family members, they're going to eat it too. And it's just something that um, keeps everybody in harmony, like you said. But I was thinking about it even further and thinking, what about having it on the table at all times? And um, it kind of pulled in the idea that with the new year coming, Russia is around the corner. And, you know, we use a chauffeur to remind ourselves to call upon new ideas and set new intentions, like people say. Um, I thought maybe that would be a good idea to have out all the time. And we put the chauffeur on the shelf to sit down and be together. And I thought, what, of a, what about a centerpiece on the table? Some people have, you know, pomegranates and fish heads and flowers, whatever, on the table for Rosh Hashanah. And I thought to put a centerpiece on the table to remind ourselves 
all year long to keep the peace around the table because crabby kids, long days, stress, uh, people that have different views about and opinions about the world, political, I don't know, people get the fachada, get fachada at the end of a long day, the crabby, cases of rah as I call it, with the kids who get a little, you know, finished or hungry. Just like a reset button. Okay. And to kind of use the idea on the table to reset the vibe if people are starting to talk loud or be chatted at the end of a long day at dinner time. Okay. So that so, that was what my mind went to. Okay. So what would you suggest then, Braha Schwartz, would be the components of such a uh, centerpiece? Yeah, so I actually went to the dollar store because everybody usually can afford to find a dollar and 25 cents these days to keep the peace in your home. I think it's worth it. Um, Or find something to upcycle. I'm sure everybody looks in their junk drawers, cleaning out something and can find. I found uh, like a pig, a poker, what is it called? Like a wooden, a wooden poke, like a dowel that had a shape on the top made out of wood that we already made and used to color with Sharpies. And um, the kids got involved. The grandparents got involved. Everybody got involved at a recent little party we had here. And I wrote Shalom Bias on the little wooden piece, and I put it in a plant so that it could stay on the table all the time. And if it has to move over to the side for certain things, that's fine. But it literally says Shalom Bias, and I think that that's something I grew up with, was for the sake of Shalom Bias, I always hear these things for, you know, for Shalom Bias, just let's move on to the next topic, for the sake of Shalom Bias. Well, now, just to remind each other while we're sitting around the table, you could say, you could even say, just touch the centerpiece or look at the centerpiece of Shalom Bias reboot and get people back on track with bringing a calm, harmonious vibe into the conversation and mood around the, the Yontif table, the holiday table that's we're all going to be sitting around very, very soon. Okay, there have been, our guest today is Bracha Schwartz. We're talking about Shalom Bias, which means literally peace in the house, but, you know, domestic tranquility, that type of a thing, especially around the holidays. There has been studies that show that this is not just among Jews, but it's, I guess it's universal that holiday meals are really quite stressful because you have lots of people and lots of people have lots of opinions and everybody, you know, everybody wants to voice their opinion. And of course my opinion is right because I'm me. So what, what do you suggest then, Bracha, um, for, for, for toning, toning it down per se, especially if you get to like, for example, Jewish, Jewish Ferndale, there is a no politics rule. As soon as anybody says anything that has to do with politics, I shut it down. I said, sorry, there's a, I'm, 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 uh, you know, we have it written on our by- bylaws, which we don't, that there is no discussion of politics. <laughs> at, there's no discussion of politics at the table. I'm sorry, you know, our hands are tied, but we have to talk about something else. So, and we move on and everybody kind of like gives a smile and then they understand. But, you know, it's just, it definitely makes because we have people that run through the full gambit and spectrum of political ideologies, and uh, it doesn't make for great t- 
table conversation or the making of good friends. And, you know, we, we just want to keep everybody happy. So what do you suggest? Yeah, for putting, what do you, what do you suggest for like diversions and, and keeping a, a lid on conversation when things get too, too heated? I mean, it could be something about like, what should the tigers do next year? I mean, that's, you know, there's all kinds of things. I know people... it happens at everybody's table, whether it's just your small family nucleus or it's a big group or somebody brings a significant other that has, talks a little louder or has certain ways of looking at the world that maybe not everybody has to agree with. But I've come to understand that the person that's talking, they don't necessarily need to everybody at the table to agree with them. They just want to talk. They need to, they need to talk. So I find that I literally say, wait, so tell me about, and then I'll pick something like a minutia of the detail of the shirt they're wearing or what their grandmother, um, how they flip their lacquers. I'm a two-fork lacquer flipper personally. These kind of <laughs> questions that <laughs> really just kind of, what, 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 get them to stop talking about how they see the world or who they're going to vote for, a terrible thing that they're going through, making everybody uncomfortable and stressing the whole group out. I will literally say, wait. So tell me about, because they really just need to talk. That's what they're really needing right now. And the other thing I find out that um, helps is they become my helper. If the person that's the loudest needs to talk, I'll say, hang on, can you just come and help me for a second? And whatever the job is, if it's very important or it's not, it's go find something in the kitchen with me. Or we can walk out of the garden because we eat outside a lot and help move something. Um, They just need to be away from the group for two seconds to just kind of blink and catch some fresh air so everybody can enjoy the holiday or the group setting, which is why everybody came out in the first place. Because it is difficult to always schlep and be together. And everybody's family has people or different vibes that need to be reset. So I think along with having something on the table to reboot and having the designated little line, so tell me about, it does help. We also have don't talk loud or stop with spray or um, certain things that we do, like if it's not young to to have certain music on. Like we have Wednesday night, we have Hoops and Jazz. That's just something that we know we're all going to look forward to. Certain different options for food that make everybody happy, like they have to make their own food at the table. It's not just one person cooking, one person serving. No, you have to get up. It's not just a buffet. You have to assemble your food, and that gets people thinking a little bit outside of their own panic. Yeah, like like Taco Tuesdays, I suppose, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we do that, um, the flat. Like it's like a thing you have to dip in water. It's like a rice paper and you fill it with vegetables and whatever else and roll it up and you have to make it yourself on the spot. So just knowing in advance that you're prepared, I tell my family when they start their day, please save a little energy for dinner. Please save a little energy. You have sports after school. Please save a little energy. We're having company over, um, you know, from out of town. And to just keep it back of your head that you have to save a little energy sometimes helps. And then last for me is that ask for help. If 
if one person is doing all the planning and the cooking and the shopping and the schlepping, and, you know, it's not always so fun. The holidays are supposed to make memories. The holidays are supposed to be enjoyable. You're supposed to want to want to go to the cousin's house and not just schlep over there and be miserable the whole time and, you know, not about complaining about the food on the way home. It's not what it's about. It's about really making time to be together and enjoying it. So making little moments, pivoting the mood sometimes is the real key to having a successful, beautiful, memorable young to whatever, Shabbos table, where everybody's enjoying it. And it's not just about the kugel. <laughs> well, that's, that's really insightful. Our guest today, again, is Bracha Schwartz. We're talking about really how to handle a, uh, a, a yuntif table, a holiday gathering together. So we talked about the loud person in the room. But when you were when we had all the little Finman kids living at, at uh, home, attending school and et cetera, and all the kids would come home and everybody would be complaining. Yeah. So Mrs. Finman, who is the the producer of this show, the Jewish Hour, and the co-director of Jewish Ferndale, and your mom, came up with the My idea. amazing mama who makes who, the best kugel. <laughs> yeah, who came, came up with the idea. She said she just got tired of all the complaining and whatnot, and especially was that the conversation was dominated by, like, the older, louder ones, and the younger ones never, they just sat there. So we had this thing where everybody went around the table and said, what good thing happened to you today? And if there was one of the kids brought home one of their friends, it was like, I, I have to say what good thing happened to me, but it became like a really regular thing. So what would you suggest? And I'm not saying if you could do that, I don't know if that's uh, something to uh, to do, but how do you encourage that the the more introverted people to uh, to open up and become part of things, Brother Schwartz. It is tricky. It is tricky, especially like I do have a lot of good memories of say one good thing that happened to you today, and everybody would get a turn to talk and to be okay, a let listener. Me just interrupt. Let me just interrupt. What was the best? What good thing happened to you today, Brother? I like oh for me right now. Yeah. No, I'm talking about when <laughs> well, you were a kid, you, when you were a kid when we were sitting around the, the table. Yes. It was it was Alex, my one my one brother, the Prince Alex. Um, he would start with one good thing that happened to him today was it was wake up in the morning and it would be a whole drusha. It would last 10 minutes and everyone would be like groaning and moaning. And I actually look forward to Alex's every single day because that was his one chance because he went to a separate school from us. That was his one big opportunity to shine. So I have a lot of good memories of Alex going on and on and telling us about all the details of his entire day. It was never one teeny thing. But that was my one of my favorite things about um, one good thing that happened to you today, which is something we do at our dinner tables here um, at our house. I have kids, and they do bring friends over. And a lot of people eat in front of the TV, I realize. A lot of families don't sit together. Or they eat in the car on the way to sports activities. They don't always get what we have here. Dinner time is very special. Dinner time is when everybody's sitting together. And we will wait. We eat very late at our house sometimes because you can snack, whatever. But dinner time is a special time, even if ever the kids already had something to eat, just to be together and sitting together and getting to talk together with the adults um for us it's a lot of times it's dessert first you know dessert first really kind of breaks the mood 
if everyone slept out and had had enough in their long day. Also, why not? Drag out the... I got one out doing this three flavored pie over here, like we were talking about. It's not my style. I'll make three separate pies. Everybody who says they want a sliver really wants a brick. But um, dessert first is a big hit at our house. And uh, making sure that the kids get to talk. It is a big deal. Okay, let's focus on, is, you have on the holiday meal. You've got 18 people that came over, all your cousins and relations and relatives and, and friends of thereof. And you see there's some kind of people that are intimidated. This might be the first time they've come to your house, and they're, like, taking it all in, and it's a bit overwhelming. So what would you suggest to get that person involved in the conversation and also becoming part of things, Professor Schwartz? So we light, first of all, to light candles with get everybody who wants to light candles because sometimes talking the icebreakers and tell us your favorite pizza topping and going around, and it feels like you're it's maybe a little bit, that already is like my turn is moving and booming and it's coming around the room and my turn is coming and it's very nerve-wracking for new people especially if they're new to Judaism or they're new to um, like a Jewish dinner they never experienced it we have people that are from different faiths join our celebrations I know I grew up like that so the icebreaker does help for sure in a room but sometimes it's too intense I think that if there's an opportunity to light candles uh, that is like you are a part of a tradition. It's going to be weird and different. There's singing, which makes sometimes people feel like, what is going on right now? But lighting candles right away shows that we're all doing something now. Okay, bracha, ba- bracha, ba- bracha, bracha, back up a little bit for people that don't know yeah, this yeah. idea about, what's the idea of lighting candles at the onset of a holiday? Oh, sure. So when we start um, a Shabbos or we start a holiday when in Judaism, it starts the night before at sundown. And to bring that element into our home, it's like to bring a special new mood. That usually the women come together and light candles and say a prayer to start the new feeling, the new vibe, the new celebration, to bring calm and harmony and to bring shalom bias into the house. So that's um, right off the bat. That's what we personally do here. And it does shake up the snow globe for sure. Like they come in people that never experienced Mr. Yuntif. They have their wine. They had to look up where to buy kosher wine. They're very nervous. They came with flowers. Very nice. Appreciate it. We're going to guzzle it. We're going to put the flowers out. Thank you. But come, we're going to be together now. And you're part of the family. You're part of the group. Come like candles and come be a part of the ceremony, the tradition, the Jewish vibe, the feeling that you're changing over into a new, it's like a new, a new feeling, which is like Rosh Hashanah, a new, a new feeling in the year. It comes together to me, the newness, the newness of the year, the newness of the, of the evening. That's very special. Yes. Okay, so and and to encourage people to to talk who aren't talking, you notice that somebody's like not talking; they're just like sitting. I mean, that's when I go back to um, the food thing. When you were young, what's the food memory? I always go back to food. So <laughs> people can relate to food. Yes, when I was learning food, how to do everywhere and anywhere. Yes. I mean, I never met somebody who wasn't a nibbler or a nosher. Everybody, you know, everybody eats. Whatever. Yes, that's true. When I was yeah, learning how yeah. to do. Yeah, so to me, 
Yeah. When I was and learning, if they when, don't like the food, they can tell you that too. It's like it's not their thing. It's too much this and that. They don't eat spicy. They don't. What's turmeric? You know, whatever. I just to me, it's talking about food and food memories with difficult people. It really, really helps a situation where somebody is either talking too loud or too nervous to, to open up. So I would suggest talking about the food from their past, food that is their favorite. What do you like to prepare? Yeah. How do mm-hmm. you do at your house? Yeah. Bring it back to food. Okay. <laughs> Always works for me. And that, let's, let's just let's gonna hand up on this idea. What about backing up? You talked about, you know, the person comes. They've never been, maybe they've never been to your house. They have been to your house. They've been participating in this holiday meal. They haven't been participating in the holiday meal, and they feel they have to bring something. How do you convey to people that you don't you don't have to bring anything if you want? You know, okay, bring this. You know, that's so uh, you know. Well, you know, it's actually, I, not to bring Oprah into it, but I remember she said you should bring something. So a lot of people listen to listen to that. They bring something because they feel like they're that it's like you're hosting. They better they better put on their nice shirt and, you know, come into the space and have something to offer, um, which is very nice. I think that if you bring a good, nice mood, you're ready bringing plenty. Bring a good attitude, bring a little energy, and that's plenty enough in, in our circle, in our house. You don't have to show up with, um, with flowers and a babka and a bottle of wine. You don't have to do that. Cool. I mean, for sure, and we'll enjoy it, but you don't have to. You don't have to bring. Come okay. with your good attitude. Come with energy. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Okay, our guest today has been Bracha Schwartz. She is a, happens to be my daughter and the mother of some of my grandchildren, and uh, hopefully more because you know, we don't have we don't have enough grandchildren. You can never have enough grandchildren, but that's not up to Bracha. <laughs> Anyway, so. you know what? This was such a thrill. Thanks for having me on the show, Ta. Okay. This is a blast. <laughs> really, thank you. It's fun to so, chat on the show. I want to thank you for coming on. And I'd like to say that every guest receives a, what are they, but we don't do that. This is a low budget show. Anyway, so I want to wish you a Kasiva Vachasima Teva. It should be written and inscribed in the Book of Life for a happy and a healthy New Year, you and your entire family, and only good things. All right. I'll pop over for some Kogo. Okay. I'll see you guys soon. Fair, All right. Fair take enough. care. Okay. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Fimmon here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. That was uh, quite inspiring and fun and uplifting. That's always good, if I do say so myself. Up next, this is for your listening pleasure. The artist's name is Nimul. Which is interesting. He used to have a first name, but I guess he dropped it because if you just say Nemul, he's the only one out there named Nemul. French by birth. I believe he lives now in the United States. And the song we're going to hear is Kilo Chafetz because he wants it. Referring to God.
know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813, that's 800-603-1813, or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shul Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next, we're actually doing a two in a row, meaning last week and this week. Uh, this is Michael Smolash, who is the cantor at Temple Israel. And the last week we played Alibrider, which is a really cute song. This song is called The Rebbe Elimelech, and it's about the Rebbe Elimelech. Let's listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
der Rabbi Elimelech ist geworden sehr freilich. Ist geworden sehr freilich, Elimelech. Hat er euch getan, die Twillen? Und hat angetan, die Brillen? Und geschieht noch die Fiedler, die zwei. Und wenn die Fiedler, die Why go anywhere else for your holiday shopping when you can go to the Grove? Fully renovated, the Grove is located on Greenfield Road, just south of 696. At the Grove, you'll find the largest selection of kosher foods and wines in Michigan. Looking for fresh, round holiday challahs, honey cake, or exotic fruit for the new year? The Grove has it. The Grove has the freshest produce, gourmet dairy, deli, and meats. They even have a kosher bakery and hot takeout right on the premises. It's The Grove on Greenfield Road and 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Up next, this is an artist. I think he's, I'm not sure if he's new or not. He's Israeli. Uh, this is the first song of his that I've come across. His name is Menachem Shukrin. He has a really sweet voice. And the song is play. The song is a, is a somewhat of a ballad, and it's sort of like a yearning for the messianic era, which is a good thing to do before Rosh Hashanah, because if Mashiach comes, then we can just forget about Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's all what do we need it for? We got Mashiach. So the song is called Hasheket Adayin Lo Ba, which means the silence has yet to come, and it's based on the idea 
that the Almighty is found in a still, quiet voice. I believe it's a verse from Ezekiel. Somebody on RabbiFitman.com can send me a, 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 a verse if they know it otherwise that says that the Almighty is not found in, like, big, tumultuous, like, you know, like in the, the portrayed in the movies whenever they try to portray, portray God, but rather in just a little, silent, quiet voice. And that's what he's saying is Hasheket Adain Lobo. The quiet has not yet come. And this is Menachem Shukran. Shuv mit galgel Zelo mashu kavu akergel Vasheket mit poer I go to a hospital to get healthy. At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? 
Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulzman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion this week is Nitzavim Vayelach, which is always read in conjunction with the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. There's like a mandate that that be true. So, but we're not going to talk about that today. We've talked. We've this, the show's been on for twenty nine years, and we've we you know go back and <laughs> go back to RabbiFinman dot com and listen to some of the old the old Devar Torahs about this. We're going to talk about something that's in the portion of Vayelech. The time Vayelech is a double portion that's put together because we're getting to the end. We only have like because especially this year with all the holidays falling out on Shabbos. So we need to, like, scrunch everything together because there's four portions left between now and the end of the year. And the last portion of Zosabrocha is actually read on a Sunday because the Saturday is the Shabbos, and we read the portion that has to deal with the eighth day of Sukkot on that day. So it's, you know, some somebody very smart figured this all up, figured how we do all this stuff. Somebody whose pay grade is much higher than mine. So in the portion of Vayelech, section of Vayelech, which is like chapter 31 already, so it, there's a mitzvah. It's the last mitzvah in the Torah. For the most part, mitzvahs were done already last week at the beginning of the portion of Kisavo. And then there's a paradigm shift, and we start talking about blessings and curses, etc. But there's, a, there's just for good measure, there's one thrown into the portion of Vayelech, and that is the writing of a Torah scroll. Everybody has to write, this is the commandment, everybody has to write a Torah. And if not to write a whole Torah, so it says that if a person writes a letter in the Torah, that'll fulfill the obligation. Now, not everybody could write a letter in a Torah. Like me, for example, I'm I'm illegible in like three languages, maybe four. And if I were to write a Torah scroll, it would be invalid. No one would be able to read it because it's just like, forget it. It's just like, no, it's not happening. And in fact, I participated in the uh, what's called a CM Sefer Torah, the writing of a, of a thing. And I told the guy, I said, I'm not so sure about my writing. So he said, just, just hold on to my hand. And he wrote the letter. And I was just kind of like resting my hand on it. So it was like, okay, fine. So it's like, I'm, it's like, you know, yeah. And if you can't do that, like there's no Torah being completed in your neighborhood, I'm sure you could go online and type in, buy a letter in a Torah, and I'm sure something will come up. I think even Corin Publishing is doing a worldwide Torah scroll, and then the Chabad has always doing Torah scrolls since 1984. 
There's been the children's Torah scrolls that have been written that the Rebbe encouraged that every child born have a letter in the Torah so that we fill this myth because it says that the, uh, the word Israel is an abbreviation for the, the words. It doesn't work in English, but it works really well in Hebrew. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah so that what's the Jewish people? The Jewish com- people are comprised of all the components of the Torah. So therefore, if a person actually contributes to the writing of a Torah, they, are, they get their portion, you might say, in the Torah. Now, let's say a person wants to do a little bit more. What should a person do? Well, it's actually a, uh, it's an interesting thing. Judaism, Jewish thought, is a living organism. And knowledge increases exponentially. I was just mentioning this the other day to somebody. When I first became religious back in 1976, the corpus of Jewish literature, liter, literature was probably somewhere around 96,000 volumes. Okay, here it is. It's 47 years later. And how many Jewish books are there in, in existence? Probably somewhere up around 450,000 of them. So that means that people are doing is they're finding novel ways of looking at Because if you're just going to print the same book over again, that's, that's no big deal. I mean, they print the Bible every year, all day long. Your Bibles are being printed. So that's not, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ways of looking at things, understanding things differently. And it says, every single Jew has a part in the Torah that nobody else has. That means that it's an obligation on everybody to not only just learn the Torah, but come up with something that no one else has ever heard. And indeed, in my uh, years of teaching, I'm teaching now for about 40-something years. And every once in a while, I'll come up with something that I believe. Hey, that's, that's, that's a, I think that's novel. I just think that's a great thing. That's, I, I just thought of that. And then I'll open up a book, and it'll, it'll be there. Somebody else thought about it already. So it was like it was from like the story I told last week. It's like it was already public domain. Somebody else thought about it. They brought it into the world. And it just my brain just happened. My, my soul just happened to pick up on it. So we have that that we can expand and cause the Torah to grow. Yagdil Teraviadr, the Torah should become greater and more precious. But then we have to understand that what's Israel, what's Yisrael, each one of us is a letter in the Torah. Each one and says that if there's something wrong with one letter in the Torah, let's say a Torah, let's say you have a certain letter. And a letter is comprised of like three lines, like the tzadi. And one of those lines is not connected to the other two. The whole light, if the, the letter is there, you look at it, it looks like a tzadi. But there's a little bit of white between the, the, the ink, and it's not connected. Whole Torah is no good. All 600,000 letters, not good. The thing has to get fixed. So we are also letters of the Torah. And we have to look what needs to be fixed. This is an interesting uh, thing. When uh, among Hasidim, they wear something called a gartel, which is, uh, you call it a prayer belt. 
lots of uh, Eastern philosophies where like uh, belts, like in uh, karate, they have the different levels of belts. And with them, the belt is actually holy. It falls on the floor. They kiss it. We don't do that. They put a belt outside the Sefer Torah when it's no good to indicate that it needs to be fixed. So it's the same thing also. We wear our belts on the outside rather than under our coats. There's an indication that what? Something needs to be fixed. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. We've got our seasonal sponsor, Franklin Cider, came back. Yes! Don't go away. Hasidic story. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Yes, we want to welcome Franklin Cider. 29th year, Franklin Cider has been a seasonal sponsor for the Jewish Hour. That commercial is very interesting. It was recorded in 1996, uh, 1994. Uh, Jimmy James was the board op at WPON at the time, and it was put on something called a cart. Was Luke, you know about carts? You heard about those things, little tape recorder things, little plug-in things? You know, he's shaking his head, no, he hasn't got a clue what I'm talking about. Um <laughs> So it was like, this is like analog. And he would pop the thing in every time it was time to play the commercial. So um, when we moved, so I asked for the carts so that we can, but they lost it. So what did I do is I went back to one of my tapes and I found one of the tapes because I know when it sits it's from September to November and I found it. And then we played it through the board over here at Salem Communications. And then it was, it was recorded digitally and so it's a recording of a recording that's been digitalized. So that's why it sounds the way it does. But we're very happy, and we suggest that you go visit Franklin Cider. Not this week, next week. They're open until November. The cider changes from week to week because the apples change from week to week. In the, uh, September, early October, it's more of a, a thinner, clearer, crisper-type cider. And as the... Uh, Apples stay longer on the tree, they get more sugar, and it becomes more dense, and you get this, like, thicker, browner cider, which I happen to like more. And But it's all good, as they say. And as the Finman kids were want to say, everything else is just juice. Okay, there was... Um, the story takes place in the late 1789, maybe early 1800s. There was a person by the name of Reb Arya. That was his name. And he was the burgomaster of a certain town. We do not know what the name of the town was that he was the burgomaster. What does a burgomaster do? Burgomaster was a recorder of deeds and records. People got married. He issued marriage certificates. If somebody died, he issued the death certificate, this type of stuff. Um, whether they issued birth certificates then or not, I'm not so sure if they were doing that yet. I'm not sure when birth certificates started. So the at that time... It was considered quite serious for a non-Jew to convert to Judaism. And anybody who helped participate in the non with this uh, conversion 
was severely punished. I mean, during uh, there were periods of time uh, in the early 1700s that anybody who helped a, a non-Jew convert was actually put to death. But it was, by the 1800s, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But it was stiff penalties. It was really it's, it was serious jail time. This type of thing. They didn't want Catholics becoming Jews. So what happened? There was a guy who converted. And there was somebody who was around the same person's age as the convert who died. And so it was suggested not to record the death of the person who died and that the convert should assume the identity of the deceased. So that way he would just, just like fall into the woodwork and no one ever know that he was a convert. That was worked very well until, unfortunately, somebody informed on this burgomeister that he had committed fraud, which is very serious crime, very serious offense. And he was arrested and uh, actually was able to put up bail and was given a trial date. He was a student of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, known as the Alter Rebbe, and he ran to the Alter Rebbe and said, what do I do? The Alter Rebbe told him, push it off. And so he got a new court date. And he said, I can't do it. And he said, ran, they got a second court date. And he ran to the Alter Rebbe and said, what should I do? He said, push it off. And he kept on pushing it off until they finally said, you're going to trial on this date. We don't care what. So he ran back to the Alter Rebbe and he said, what do I do now? So he said, I'm inviting you to the wedding of my granddaughter, Bela, to the son of Levi Yislik of Bardichev. I think his name was Yisrael May or something. I don't remember his name, actually. And in the city of Zhlobin, the famous Zhlobiner wedding. And go ask him what to do. So he traveled to Zhlobin, he had there was a wedding over there, he had a nice time. In the meantime, so like zillions of people, everybody wanted to see Levi Yitzhak of the big tzaddik, and get his advice and blessing. So what did this person do? Is he couldn't get in. It was not happening. So he stood at the door. He went like at 11 o'clock at night and stood at the door, waiting for the door to open. It'll be his time. So he said Levi Yitzhak was, was taking a nap. On one side of the bed was standing one of his valets reading Mishnah. On the other side of the bed was somebody reading Zohar. And Levi Yitzhak was sleeping in the middle. But when someone would mispronounce the word, so he'd go in his sleep, he'd say, no, no, no. And like, hello, say the word right. And after two hours, he finally woke up and he asked, uh, who sent you? So he said, the Alter Rebbe sent me. He said, oh, my mechutin, my relative over here, the father, you know. And he started lauding for five minutes. He's saying praises about the Alter Rebbe. He says, so what can I do for you? So he says, I'm a burgermeister in this town. He says, what's a burgermeister? He says, you know, I write deeds and I do this and I do this. And he says, he says, wait a minute, a Jew does this? How did you get this job? So he said, the Alter Rebbe told me I should get this job. So he said, the Alter Rebbe, and he started praising the Alter Rebbe again, five minutes worth. And he said, if the Rebbe told you to get this job, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. It's nothing's going to happen. So he went back to the Alter Rebbe and he told him what Levi Yitzhak said. And he said, didn't I give you good advice? And he said, basically, it remains to be seen. The day before the trial, there was a fire in the courthouse, and all the records were born, burned, and they had no record of anything that this guy did wrong, and they had to drop the case. That's going to do it. We hope you had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Let us
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.